This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey, movie addicts. Welcome to Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Frank Reddy. That's me. You doing okay, Frank? Doing okay, Andrew. I'm a little disappointed you're bailing on Guys Night Out tonight, but that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Andrew's going to hang out with his internet friends. <laughs> some of us some of us have uh, lady friends. <laughs> Only in the age of the internet. <laughs> look, you get look, Frank. I, you, know, you know I love you, man, but I gotta go see The Val. <laughs> I know. I know. I've been waiting <laughs> I know. so long. You've been salivating ever I since have. you saw that first trailer. Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Come on. It's a love stick guy. Uh, this is uh, this is part two of episode number 14 of Cinema Fix, focusing on the movie Safe House. So if you're looking for part one, you're listening to the wrong episode. Go back and listen to, to part one. If this is your first time listening to Cinema Fix, you should know that each episode is divided up into two parts. The first part is... Uh, is when we give just our general spoiler-free thoughts on the film. And the second part, which we're listening to right now, is when we really dive in deep and we really talk about what did and didn't work about the film. It's designed to be listened to either after you've heard part one or at least after you've seen the movie, because we are going to spoil some stuff. Safe House is the new film directed by Daniel Espinosa, and it stars Ryan Reynolds as a low-level CIA operative who is in charge of running a safe house in Cape Town and his life is interrupted when Tobin Frost, a extremely high profile criminal, is brought in to be interrogated and it basically just... He used to be a CIA agent. Right. He's a rogue agent. He's a rogue agent and things just wind up going horribly wrong and Ryan Reynolds ends up having to Escape with Denzel and eventually try to bring him back in. And, you know, it gets kind of complicated. It does. Here's a clip. Hey, 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 I'm a police officer. I'm from America. I arrested this man. His name is Tobin Frost. Where did you take him? He's in the infirmary. There, there, there. Is that it? Top left. Second screen from the top. Look, look. The infirmary. Frank, we both concluded in part one that uh, Safe House isn't a great film. No, it's not. You said that you thought it was trying to do some interesting things, that, that you felt like it was it had some some themes and some ideas it was trying to communicate. It just couldn't communicate those very well. Well, Do, do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? My thing is, it's not even that it couldn't communicate it very well, which was part of it. The thing is that what they're communicating is such a cliched, I feel like, aspect of the... The whole spy genre, which I really love. What is that? Well, I think it's that it was kind of about Ryan Reynolds' character, who starts off as kind of like this an innocent. He's not very far along in his CIA career. He's trying desperately to advance. 
And I feel like as we go along, this movie was more about like, this is a really messed up world to get involved in. You know, there are people on both sides who are not what they seem to be. To or, And to be a part of this business, you have to essentially be dishonest 24-7. You're forced to do some kind of m- morally murky things for the purpose of the greater good. And it just seemed to be about how they're really, it becomes very easy to kind of cross this line and kind of justify it to yourself and be like, well, that's just the business. You know, everybody has to do these things once in a while. And it seems to be about trying to almost save Ryan Reynolds' character's soul after a while. Well, I, I can see what you're saying in regards to saving his soul. We'll get to that in a little bit. But in regards to this this idea that, you know, all the institutions are corrupt and, you know, ultimately the CIA is a flawed organization and they they are involved in all of these murky things. You're right that that's something fairly standard in a lot of these movies. What I think makes this movie a little bit different is that it essentially says this corruption could go all the way to the top. Why? Isn't yeah. that always implied, though, uh, in all I these movies? I don't know. I, I think there are a lot of films about the CIA and government institutions that kind of imply, oh, that one, your boss, that one level above you, they're corrupt, but they're doing it in secret. They're they're doing it kind of away from the the eyes of their boss. And I don't know. They've I got think... these secret deals going on. And this is a situation in which uh yes, there turns out to be a traitor, there turns out to be a guy who essentially set this all up. It's Barlow, Barlow, played by Brendan Gleason. And you you know, you're kind of thinking, Oh, well, it sucks that he's a bad guy and then you realize that really his superiors probably knew about it. Yeah. And right. weren't encouraging it. Um, and that I think separates it a little bit from kind of the run of the mill. You know, thing. I got the impression that they didn't know about his part in giving away the safe house. Uh, I got, I, you know, I, I think for them, his superiors, it was they didn't want this list Denzel Washington's character had, where it basically listed, um, like basically all the uh, bent agents and all the major intelligence agencies around the world and what their crimes were. I think that's what they didn't want to come out. I think. For, I don't think they knew specifically that Barlow, for sure, had given away the, the safe house. I think it was more of, okay, now we have to sweep this under the rug. Well, I, well, I think the, the, the thing is, the implication is, well, even if even if he has given away the location of the safe house, so what? No good comes from exposing that. Right. Yeah. You got to do, you have to do what you got to do to keep this information safe. Um, And I kind of felt like the, the movie... And the part of my brain was like, okay, I, I'm kind of with you. I'm, I'm kind of a cynical dude when it comes to politics and institutions, and I kind of feel like, you know what? There probably is a lot of really shady stuff going on at very high levels of government that we never find out about. And if you want to acknowledge that that's the case in the film, fine. At the same time, there was another part of my brain that was just like, man, this movie is bleak. This movie offers no hope. This movie really doesn't offer any semblance of an idea that there could be someone in power that isn't corrupted. I think the the ray of hope they were trying to offer is at the very end is that he he uh, 
Ryan Reynolds chooses to release the list and do the right thing well, rather sure. than profit from it. Well, sure. But, but again, the implication is only these low-level people. Right, that the institution itself is rotten to the core. The in, yeah, the institution is rotten. The higher you go, the more corrupt you are. Almost. Yeah, and, and that's like an interesting idea. I wish they'd kind of focus more on it because it, I think the idea of having somebody who's at the bottom of the ladder, Ryan Re- Matt, Ryan Reynolds' character, and honestly doesn't realize that the whole thing is like a house of cards ethically. And now he's kind of, he gets plunged so deeply into it so thickly where you're kind of wondering, okay, if, will he choose to go forward and continue to become this person or will he get out? You know, that I think is, is an interesting struggle, but I don't think that they highlighted that aspect of the relationship with uh, Tobin Frost, Denzel Washington's character, as much as they should have in terms of um, the back and forth over, because what I did like is, you know, basically Denzel Washington's character saying, you know, just walk away, right. just walk away. He's already crossed that line. He's saying, you know, you don't have to keep doing this. Well, you know, there's an interesting moment in the film when they go to the second safe house, yeah. which is uh, run by this guy played by Joel Kinnaman uh, from AMC's The Killing, which is kind of interesting because <laughs> in safe house he gets killed. Oh, Andrew, you wit, you. <laughs> and he he's kind of this low-level guy that watches over the safe house like Ryan Reynolds does. And he tells them, you know, hey, I haven't seen anyone in like 10 months. No one's been here. And then he gets a call and he attacks them. And he they they have to kill him. And I feel was, kind of bad for that guy. A little bit. Because I was thinking, wait, wait, wait. Is he in on this plot or is he just following orders? And let's say things have been reversed. Say at the beginning of the film, you know, Ryan Reynolds had... Well, exactly. That's told, what makes it tragic. Is right. it really... It could have easily gone the other way. So, so you think if at the beginning of the film... If Ryan Reynolds had been told, hey, they're bringing this dude in, kill him, yeah, he, because, he would have done it? Well, that's what makes it, I think, that's what I'm hoping the situation is because that makes it more interesting because then it really does kind of reflect this whole murky government atmosphere they're trying to paint. Because you have, you have this guy at the beginning, Ryan Reynolds, what they're going for is he's a complete innocent. He assumes that everybody above him is, on the, uh, is righteous, is on the right. side of the angels. And so if they give him an order, then it must be for the best. And that's what this other guy thought. I, what I'm hoping they went with. Right. It's, that's what this other you, guy you thought. You think that's what they were trying to communicate? I'm hoping so, yeah. Um, you know, that's a very interesting idea, I think, just that idea that you could have good intentions and you maybe you are a good person. Yeah. But you could actually be corrupt and you could actually be acting on behalf of these awful forces without realizing it just by being part of the institution yeah i mean even on that theme on a personal level the barlow guy i think thought he was in the right too because when he was making that whole speech when ryan reynolds was laid up in bed after having been stabbed he was like you know it's just you know everybody's gonna have their bad moments like he looked at his these are little mistakes i've made along the way and his i think whole rationale was i don't deserve to be punished for these little mistakes that everybody makes even though his mistakes are more are like horrible crimes right so I, th- I think that idea that the institution is so rotten that even when you seem to be following what seems to be a normal order, even yeah. when you seem to be acting with, with really good intentions and you don't think what you're doing is wrong, it is. Yeah. That's how rotten the institution is. I think that is much more cynical than we've gotten in a lot of films, even post 9-11. Yeah. There is a certain level of cynicism you find in movies over the past 10 years, but this kind of took it 
a little bit to the next level. And part of me appreciated that. Yeah. And another part of me was just kind of like, oh, well, that's just depressing. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I just wish they would have done it better. Like, I think right. that there's more to go on. I think they were so busy kind of, like, with car chases and action. And don't get me wrong, you need that in a spy movie. But I feel like there are so many interesting things they just touched on that I'm almost mad they didn't go deeper. Like, right. you get this idea with the Denzel Washington character that who who used to work for the CIA, that not only is the institution thoroughly corrupt, it it corrupts every individual who passes through it. Right. Like, because Denzel Washington's character, the idea was he started off as a legitimately good guy. He was he was talented. He was bright. He was he was on he was a good spy. But just being exposed to all this stuff on a daily basis made him kind of lose his moral compass in a way. It it all started to become ambiguous to him. Right. And they sort of try to to play that out with Ryan Reynolds, which I want to talk about in a little bit. But you brought up the action. I want to talk about the action. The action in this movie ranges from decent to just bad. Yeah, I think. You've got a lot of shaky cam and quick cutting. I guess, they again, they were trying to, to borrow from the Bourne films yeah. in that respect. And I don't like that. I don't mind it. I think honest. I think you can do it well. I think if you watch the last Bourne film, they found a nice balance between shaky cam and, you know, angles that actually show you choreography and, and what's going on. But most of the time in this movie, you, I couldn't tell who was who and where they were. I couldn't understand the geography of the action scene. I couldn't tell, oh, okay, well, this guy's in that hallway. It means themselves right around the corner in that hallway. I was like, I don't, I don't know where they are in relationship to each other. I don't know where, I don't know where Ryan Reynolds is. I don't know where the guy he's trying to sneak up on is. And it was just kind of confusing a lot of the time. I don't mind it so much. I kind of feel like it places you in the sense of just the chaos of the violence, of just the frenetic, like, I, nobody knows what's going on. Everybody's shooting. I, I see. I feel like if you want to do that, if you want to, if you want to make us understand and feel what that character is feeling, just follow the character. Don't even cut to the guy sneaking around trying to find him to raise attention. Just stay with the character, and he doesn't know what's going on, and he has to decide what to do. You know, but by tr- trying to give us a sense of the geography of the scene, but not. I just feel like that's that's mean. That's irritating. That's like you're saying, oh, we're going to show you what's going on from these multiple perspectives, but you're still not going to have any idea as to how it all connects. It's just annoying. It doesn't bother me. Um, and the other thing is that there were just moments in the action scenes that just don't make sense to me. Like, there's a, there's a car chase at one point, and then Ryan Reynolds is in the car with Denzel Washington, and then they get hit. And the car hits them right on Denzel's side. Yeah. Like, where he is. Yeah. And then he just gets up and they run. And I was like, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. You have to be injured. Yeah. At least, if not dead. Because the way they framed it made it look like a full head-on collision. Well, that's the thing you, I always appreciated about the Bourne movies is after those car chases, he always was like on like his last leg. Right. You know what I mean? Like he was like, by the end of it, even like movie one and two at least, he was like, by the end of those movies, he was... Like, almost dead. Yeah. He was, like, limping. He was just not at his best. Like, this this movie had scenes like that where I was just kind of like, I'm sorry, you cannot just walk away from that. You can't just run like nothing happened unless, what, did the car, did the other car just kind of graze them a little bit? Yeah. If so, I would have liked to see that. Yeah. But the way they framed it, we just saw it from inside the car, and it looked like a full-on collision. Yeah, it looked pretty bad. 
he shouldn't have survived. Yeah. It was like, he, because it was an SUV that hit him. Yes. <laughs> and granted, they were in a truck. And it looked like, it looked like they just rammed his yeah. portion of the car directly. He should be dead. He should be dead. But he's but, Tobin Frost. So. Yeah. And then Ryan Reynolds just gets out of the car and he gets out of the car and they just run. And let's I was like, I'll be masculine and run. I, I was like, you're not, you're not human. And I think they were trying to compensate by showing them in like a hospital in the next scene. But I think the only reason they were in the hospital is because didn't he get shot when he was yeah. at the. It's kind of like, oh, bullets will take you down, but SUVs? Yeah. No. No. Nothing. No problem. I can take those on. Um, we, we, we talked a little bit about that idea that the institution corrupts. What did you think of what they were trying to do with Ryan Reynolds' character? Because it seemed like they were trying to imply that, oh, he's on the verge of becoming morally corrupt. Oh, look at all these things he's being forced to do. But they didn't really do anything with it. I think that the, what they were trying to do was at, there's a moment at the end, okay, where he has Brendan Gleeson's character. We already talked about he made that speech like everybody makes mistakes. I don't deserve to, to fry for, for this. Mm-hmm. And then Denzel Washington's character comes in and Brendan Gleeson has Denzel Washington's character just cornered on the floor like he could finish him. And I think in that moment, Ryan Reynolds either has, has to make the choice to whose side am I on? Do I shoot Brendan Gleeson? who has put me through this all day, but who has seems to have like a genuine paternal relationship with him. Or do I shoot Denzel, or do I let him kill Denzel Washington, who also does some very bad things? It, it's kind of like he has to choose between two evils and which side he, he goes to. And I think that and, and also two fathers. Yeah. To some extent. And I think, I think he chooses, to, he chooses to shoot Brendan Gleeson's character because, I mean, at least Denzel is, honest about his shortcomings, at least up front with it, is where Brendan Gleeson is trying to pretend, oh no, I'm still a good guy. I'm still... So he kind of strikes out against hypocrisy a little bit. Right. Um, And you have that whole thing where, you know, Denzel's last words, or some of his last words... Be better than me. Was, is it be better than me, or is it you You are better than me? You, oh, you are better than me. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you're better than me, you're better than me. And I was kind of like, okay, so apparently Ryan Reynolds has gone through some deep character learnings and yeah, exactly. Change, but I haven't really seen that. Exactly, you don't get enough of them together to really understand. You understand that it's supposed to be a mentor-mentee relationship, just because if you're familiar with movies, you understand what they're going for, right? But I don't think they ever really earn kind of the transformation at the end, like when he, like when Denzel Washington's character comes back to rescue Ryan Reynolds' character, like he doesn't have to come back. He initially leaves him there. But then he decides to come back for him. Well, okay. Well, let's talk about Ryan Reynolds' character and his supposed change. I mean... It's not a change, actually. It's more It's more of a journey to see if he can resist changing. Right. Okay. And this it starts when he kills the guy at the stadium. Yeah. Who is an innocent guy who is just trying to do his, his job. job. Later on, they are in the house being chased by some thugs. And he basically kills this guy, and then tortures him. Tortures him essentially to get information. Uh, and then at the end, he kills the other guy at the safe house. Yeah, which is almost like him murdering his old self to some extent. And I was just kind of like, okay, I'm not sure what you're trying to say here. Are you trying to say that because he's killing these people and doing these things, he's a bad guy or he's becoming more morally corrupt because let's let's be honest it was in self-defense arguably every time even at the stadium 
Right. You I, know, I think the thing at the stadium is the most morally gray. No, I think what the movie's trying to argue, though, is that he is being put in these positions where he has to make these decisions to stay alive, and you can't fault him for making these decisions. But I think what they're trying to argue is that the more often you have to make these decisions, you stop being able to tell you stop being able to tell the difference between right and wrong. Okay. That it starts to become harder to tell. So, are we supposed to view that the scene at the end when he kills Joel Kimmelman's character who's taking care of the safe house, are we supposed to view that as a bad thing? I think you're supposed to view it as like a tragic thing. As like, again, he does something he has to do in order to survive. And it's not Kimmelman's fault. He's just following orders. So, okay, I guess what I'm trying to say is at the end of the day, why is he better than Denzel? Why is Denzel like, you're better than me? Because he's he has been killing all these people, but at the same time, I feel like it's been in self-defense, and it's been in, you know, very compromising situations. It's not like he's out there just killing people willy-nilly, you know. And it, right, but I think I think the idea is like even throughout the movie, they keep touching upon this idea that why do you keep involving yourself in this? Because it's my responsibility. I'm going to bring you back. Is Ryan Reynolds corrupted? No, all in the film. No, I don't think so. I think he's lost his innocence. Like, I I think that, you know, it's not, you know, I work for the government and the government's good. I work for righteous, I'm on the side of right. I think he's lost his innocence in that regard. I think he's been forced to do some things that he probably will never forget. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think he's been corrupted. I, I think the idea, I think he's saying he's better than me because he's managed to come through these experiences and not completely lost his, his way. Okay. But is the implication, if he stays in the CIA, he will eventually lose his way? I think? I think that's the question, which is, is he, is he strong enough to, to, to withstand that? And I think you get the answer at the end because he does leave the CIA. Right. So. Right. So essentially what, what, what we're in, what we have is we have a film in which it's essentially saying this institution, the CIA, is so corrupt and it is so rotten that you're either corrupted or you're just a pawn in the corruption, essentially. And as a result, is it anything you do is justified or anything you do isn't justified? I mean, is Ryan Reynolds justified in killing those people? Or is that still terrible because it's the product of the situation brought about by this corrupt system? Well, I don't think you can paint it with, like, just one brush either way. I think it's it's so entirely gray. I mean, I, I think he was just... I I almost view it not even as just an indictment, a, indictment of one institution, but of just the espionage business in general. Because, I mean, the, even the list Denzel has, it's it's from agencies all across the world of corrupt agents. I think it's more just like this lifestyle is going to force you to make some bad decisions. Right. In essence, it's, it's almost kind of saying in, these institutions themselves are in a bad business. They're inherently corrupt. Institutions themselves are inherently... Well, I think it's just if you put yourself into a place where your career, where you were, you know, the situation is going to arise where you, you may have to kill somebody, where you're going to have to lie, where you're going to have to push people away. I think it's just they're saying that that is inherently a bad thing mm-hmm. and that it, I think it takes like a certain kind of person to not be corrupted by that. Because I think with Denzel Washington's character, they were just saying, you know, you just get, you get used to it. You stop being able to tell the difference between when it's absolutely necessary mm-hmm. and when it's not, when you're just doing it for profit. And I, I don't think it's saying that even when it's necessary, it's 
justified. It's okay. But there's, I think it being necessary and you're not doing it for profit does distinguish it. Okay. So the question I would ask is the fact that we're having this, this discussion about whether or not this was justified, whether or not it was okay, whether or not Ryan Reynolds was corrupt. Is that the point of the film that it's all supposed to be gray and it's all supposed to be unclear and, and that's the real evil of it? Or is it just bad filmmaking? No, I think the point of the film is to entertain, but I think that they they did try and put these ideas in. I don't think it's fair to expect them to come out with like a grand solution, like a, to tie it up in a little bow. Well, I just think that'd be trite. Well, I guess my frustration is that I wasn't quite sure at the end of the day what they were trying to say. And having this conversation with you is clear we have certain ideas about, oh, well, it seems like they were trying to say this, but we're still not really sure. And I'm not, I don't, I'm and, not, and I don't know, is, is the point that we're not supposed to be sure, or was the point, is, is it really just that they didn't, they didn't do a good job making the movie, so it's not clear? I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that we're not supposed to be sure. Like, I don't think I needed a speech from Ryan Reynolds, like, this whole thing is corrupt. This whole thing is bad. It raises the question of whether or not these things are corrupt. And, and part of it, you know, I'm not sure if it's just, again, it seems like an idea that, that's taken from a lot of other movies. The, first, the, the ones that just keep coming to mind are the Bourne films, where just the, the whole government seems to be shady and ir- irresponsible and a little bit secretive. And it almost seems like, at the end, like they're kind of implying it's corrupted his other outside relationships as well. Like, he has this relationship with this woman that's been built on lies, Yeah, first of all. And then even at the end, when everything seems to be okay for him, he does. The, they, they do the whole Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol thing where it's like he can't see her or he's just kind of watching her from a distance. He's a marked man now. Right. So the implication seems to be, oh, the institution is so corrupt that even your relationships with people completely outside of that are going to be... Well, I think that's just the life of the spy. That's just, I mean, I think that that's a commentary on that's what it's being a spy is. Being a spy, it's... You don't don't think it's possible to work for the CIA and have a good, honest, truthful family life? I I think it is. I think not when you're... You know, I don't know. I think not not in a movie. I, I mean, don't think so. if there are any people that work for the CIA listening to this in any at any level and you have a you personal comment on the situation, life, let us know. <laughs> do you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend? Do you have a family and do you keep your uh your personal affairs separate from your government affairs well because the implication we're getting from this film and from a lot of films it seems is that you you can't really separate them. Wait, yeah. if if your professional life is corrupt, that's going to bleed over and affect your personal life as well. Well, if you can't be honest with people, it's going to bleed over. That's it's, but again, so it is the implication that oh well, if you can't be on if if you if you work for a dishonest organization, you're going to be dishonest yourself in your in other aspects of your life. Well, no, I just feel like it's I I just feel like it's point of fact. I mean, if you if you run a secret safe house. And you're not supposed to tell anybody where it is? Well, they never said he's not supposed to tell anyone, necessarily. I mean, like, Denzel asked him at the beginning. He was like, oh, does she know? Does your girlfriend know? Like, almost kind of like, well, yeah, I guess you could have told her. Well, no, I think it's more like, did you break protocol and tell her? That's what I read from that, that conversation. Or did, did, you tell, did you tell her your job? I mean, not necessarily where the safe house is, but did you tell her... You work for the government. Well, in what way is it a safe house if he can't if he can tell people where it is? Well, right, uh, but I mean, in the, the idea that he didn't even tell her he he didn't even tell her he works for the government. 
Right, because again, that's the, the whole thing where, you know, if I work for the government and you really want to find the safe house, come and get me because I work for the government or follow me. No, 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 no. I feel like, I feel like you can work for the government and have relationships and tell people I work for the government, even though you can't reveal what the details of that position are. Right, but I feel like now we're starting to blur, we're starting to blur a line <laughs> here in between. I mean, if you're going to make a movie about it, you obviously have to dramatize it and make it right. spyish. So I feel like I don't think they're trying to make a big commentary there, like working for the CIA. You can have no life. Well, well, well they, they, it seemed like it was they built it up as an important part of his character. Like Denzel seemed to be implying, oh, well, you work for the government, and even though you m- maybe can't reveal the details of your job, you can you you can at least tell people you work for the government. Have you have you even done that? And he was like, no. And then later on, when he confronts her at the train station, he's like, everything was a lie. What I told you about my job, even what I told you about my parents and my my history and my background, like it was all a lie. I was just kind of like, wow, you did you? I don't think you needed to lie about that much stuff. Uh, that's an interesting point. I just uh... so is the implication that just by working for the CIA. This, this, the CIA kind of inherently recruits people that are prone to lying or prone to uh, keeping themselves detached. I think it recruits people that have no attachments already. Like, you, you, they said his profile, his family was killed in a car crash. He had nobody. Right. He had nobody. So he, he had nobody who knew him. He had nobody who could, like, be a liability. You know what I mean? But, but see that, that that idea that he lied about everything—that's an interesting character point that I wish they had done more with. Right, because that I think is kind of a big deal. You know, right. um, that's not natural. I mean, I feel like most a lot of people in that situation, low-level government job, they might lie about some things or not be clear about some things, but I don't think they would lie about everything. If you're in this this supposed spy world, mm-hmm. um. Like, if you were to meet someone at the very beginning, you don't know much about them, you don't know who they are, you don't know if you can trust them yet, I don't think you would tell them but, but all the, the vulnerable impli- things about yourself. No, but the implication is they've been together for a while, and he tells her, I love you. Yeah, but then how, do, how once having lied to somebody, how do you then fall in love with them and then go back and say, oh, by the way. I feel like you oh, don't lie. You just oh. you, you just don't talk to them much until you're ready to open up. Yeah, but then you can't can't ever get to that. (laughs) I'd be like you going, all right, well, I'm not sure where this is going yet, so if it's okay with you, I'm going to give you my first name, (laughs) maybe my my last initial. Can he not at least reveal my parents were killed in a car crash? I mean, that is a personal, intimate detail of his life that it seems like it wouldn't hurt his job to, to reveal that. I don't know. You know. I just feel like it's a spy thing. You never tell anybody real about yourself. He's not a high-level secret agent. He, he hopes guard- to be, though. But he guards the safe house. He hopes to be more than that, though. <laughs> that's what they talk about. From the He wants to be more than that. And I, I think that's. I'm ma- sorry. You go interview anybody who works for the government in any capacity in a low-level position like that, and they tell you, no, we don't lie about right. every aspect of our lives to the people we date. No, but I think you're reading too much into it. It's a movie. Oh, they no, they, no, they no. need to make it like a spy thing. All I'm saying is that that, to me, struck me as unnatural, as an unnatural thing about his character that and unrealistic. And I was kind of like, oh, okay, well, that's, a, that's unique. That tell me more about that. Tell me more about why he's that like way. Why why he wouldn't want to open up to her? Yeah, fair enough. That would and, have been interesting. Yeah, and what 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 is it about him that has made him lie so much 
to this person that he supposedly loves. And is the implication then that is it is it just who he is as a person, as an individual, or has the institution done that to him somehow and turned him that way? I mean, it, I just wanted more of a thematic connection and a thematic link for that detail that we didn't get, unfortunately. It kind of seemed to me like the movie had some interesting details and interesting ideas, but didn't expand upon them. It didn't just connect them very well. I don't know. I really wanted his relationship with Denzel Washington to be fleshed out further. Because it seems like that's the hook of the movie. And it just really... You, you want, what you're saying is you, you wanted him to leave his girlfriend for Denzel. No, I wanted them to like really kind of get into it between somebody who's like a corrupt spy and somebody who's like this young idealistic spy. You wanted him to flesh out his relationship and get into it with yeah. Denzel. Yeah, stop saying get into it with that <laughs> nuance. I'm just saying that this is the words that came out of your mouth, Frank. You're putting a spin on it, though. <laughs> a spin. So what did you what did you want out of that relationship? I just wanted to see more touching upon it. I just didn't buy that they built some kind of bond by the end where he would, like, come back and save his life. It just didn't seem right. Well, well they had that moment where Ryan Reynolds is dying. Yeah. Bleeding from the gut after having been stabbed by what is, in essence, his Killer. old self, yes. who he used to be. Yes. Which is an interesting idea I wish we had more time to think about and dive into. But when they, when that happened, I was kind of like, oh, is this how the movie's going to end? That's interesting. Yeah. Didn't expect that. And then they don't end it that way. Yeah, they do not. I think if they had ended it that way, that would have been, we would have been having a really interesting discussion about, like, what that reveals. Yeah. Um, about the fact that he was murdered by someone else who was in his job. Yeah, and he's now going to get his promotion. Right, <laughs> or they're both dead. Yeah, and is the implication then that uh, all these level low level employees they they just end up as fodder? Yeah, for, and and pawns. So, what did you think about him releasing the list at the very end of the movie? Uh, I mean, this is the cliche thing. You know, he has to do something. He has to be the hero. He has to. I mean, again, this is the movie in which the big climactic scene is Denzel dying, saying, "You're a good person. You're better than me." So, of course, he's going to release the list. I think if he hadn't released the list and had gone back to his job, that would have been a much more interesting and I think a much more scathing indictment of the system. Because, the again, it seems like, and a lot of these movies is the same way, they, they kind of try to have it both ways. They, they try to say the system corrupts, if you pass through the system, you're, you're, you're evil and, and you're, or you're just a part of this huge evil machine. Except for our hero, who's, yay, decided to take a stand. And I think if you really wanted to have that idea hammered in that this system is inherently evil and inherently rotten, if you really wanted to communicate that with full force, you would have Ryan Reynolds at the end go back to his job. You would have Ryan Reynolds not reveal the list. You would have Ryan Reynolds essentially turn out just like Brittany Gleason's. Then it would have been really grim. <laughs> it would have been grim, but it would have been interesting, I think. And it would it would have been against the grain, and I think it would have been a better film. I, I think I would have been a little bit unsatisfied if he hadn't released the list. It would have just been... Well, sure, it would be unsatisfying, because we, we want to root for him. We want to root for, for that idea that there's a that there there can be good people inside the machine that can shake it up, and there can be good people to, that change things. But again, for most of the movie, we're being told, no, the system is evil, the system corrupts. Anybody who passes through its doors will eventually uh, change. I think the idea was he got out in time, though, is that he left in time. Yeah. 
like it'd still. be interesting. It would have been interesting to see if like if this had taken place like okay five years later he's uh, he's like a field desk captain or whatever they call it. I, I I mean of course because it's a big budget Hollywood film they have to do what is going to satisfy audiences the most. You're but a cynic. I, I am a cynic, but I, I feel like the more interesting move artistically and thematically um, would have been for either Ryan Reynolds to die or for him to have become corrupt and to have kind of replaced Vernon Gleason's character in that position. If he had taken the job and been like, oh, you're going to make me a field agent now? That's what I wanted. Awesome. It would have been grim, but I think it would have been, it, it would have felt more like the movie had an idea that it was trying, and it had a clear message that it was trying to communicate. Yeah, I just, uh, I would rather see that than a movie that's just going to follow formula and be bland and not really seem to know what it wants to say. I don't think it would have, that would have made it any more interesting. I honestly don't think so. I think that, I mean, I think that would have just made it, like, grimmer. And I feel like then I would have... Well, again, I, I, I always say that I would rather see a film try to do something new and try to be interesting and try to go against formula and fail than a film to just stick to formula. It just wouldn't have made any sense to me because he's been through all of that stuff and I, I would just be like in my head, why would he want to go back to that? Why not make a break and just run for it? Because because we justify it to ourselves and our mind, no matter what happens to us. I mean, you don't think that, let's say, let, okay, let's say all the stuff's happening right now. You don't think if he had, if, if the CIA had said, take a few weeks off, think about it. You don't think he might have psychologically distanced himself enough from it eventually to be like, well, I can I can kind of see why this happened and I can... No. You, you don't think he, he would ever reach that point? No. I think people, like Burton and Lisa points out, is an example of... I, I think they find ways to justify things to themselves. Especially, just, if it's gonna, especially if it's going to get them ahead. I mean, you don't think he would have felt to some extent like, oh man... I really wanted to be this field agent. I've been wanting this for, for years and years and years now, and I'm going to turn that down now. I think people find a way to justify their own actions. I don't think they're generally as forgiving towards other people. As in, they were going to hang this thing around my neck. Then one of them was going to try and kill me. I guess that's true. I just, I don't feel like that, that doesn't ring true. It just doesn't, it would have felt you, you really weird. You don't think he would have eventually, you don't think the uh, mentality and the, I guess you could argue brainwashing of the institution would be so severe that he would eventually be like, well, I can I can understand why they did it. No, he seemed utterly traumatized throughout that whole movie. <laughs> well, sure. He seemed... But at the end of the day, he wants that job. <laughs> he seemed extremely disillusioned. Like, I don't even think he wanted the job anymore. Okay. I think it was just one of those things where I don't want to be with right. these people anymore. Right. I see what you're saying. I just, I still think it would have been much more interesting if he had. Oh, it would have been. Taken it would have been the definitely the less um, pre- predictable ending. I just, right. I'm not sure it was the right one. If he had kind of been like, "Well, you went after me, Brendan Gleeson, so I'm going to take you out." Now my problem is solved. I've gotten my revenge against the guy who came after me. I can go be a field agent. Now. The guy wasn't coming after him. The guy was trying everything he could to make sure that this kid was not collateral damage because he liked him. It was the system. Right. Okay, again, and this is just a random tangent. The movie has many plot holes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, okay, you've got the scene where Denzel and Ryan Reynolds, Denzel goes to his friend to get fake IDs. Yeah. 
And the one one good thing I can say about this movie is the movie has great sound design, and suddenly the spring gets shot in the head out of nowhere, that I which I wasn't expecting, and there's this big action scene, and these Turkish gangsters are there because they're going after themselves. And then later you find out, wait, so if Brendan Gleeson's character was working with them to get Tobin Frost, how did he know that that's where he was going? Is it, is it just because he knew, oh, I know this kid, and this kid's going there, so I guess he's going after him? Yeah, they don't answer it. You're, you're not sure if the gangsters found them on their own, or if Brennan Gleeson's character, once they pulled up like what Ryan Reynolds had looked at, right. put it together in his own head, you just don't know. And just trusted, oh, I know this kid well enough. Yeah. He's going after Tobin. Yeah. I don't know. This is, the movie just, it's just very wishy-washy. No, it's time. just my problem with it. It's just, it, you, you knew everything that was going to happen. They laid it on so thick. You, you knew everything that was going to happen, and then the things you didn't know about, the things that were interesting, and, I, and some of the interesting ideas, I just felt like weren't fully formed. No. Weren't fully fleshed out. It's just like you knew, I knew Vera Farmiga was headed for a bullet. There's just no way. You tell someone you want to meet them on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? And she was laying it on so thick. This, like, is, this kid's to blame. This, this is, kid's to blame. She can't possibly buy the This is thing. the second time I've seen her in a film where she plays kind of this middle management government official. The first one was source code. Yeah. And it's such a, in both situations, it's just a, a really a nothing part. Yeah. She doesn't really have a whole lot to do. And I'm just like, Why? You're, she's a good actress. She's a very good actress. She needs to be getting meteor roles yeah. besides random government management person who's going to get shot. Yeah. You know. I just don't, it just, it's like she was going at, she's like, oh, this kid's to blame. This kid's responsible. So you knew she wasn't going to, she wasn't the bad guy because that would be too on the nose. You knew it was the other guy from the very beginning, which <laughs> just annoyed me. It's just like, okay, did she, did he kill her yet? Did he kill her yet? Did he kill her yet? It's like, the one thing it's like I like stuff that's like genuinely a little bit surprising. Like in The Born Supremacy, I did not expect uh, Brian Cox to strangle that little intern down in the basement. I didn't see that coming. Right. This one, I was like, okay, he's going to shoot her. He's going to pull out his gun in the car and shoot her. Because she's stupid enough to meet him in the middle of the nowhere, walk up to his car, which he does not get out of, just stand there in the door like a great big target. <laughs> just like, God. You, you, you think that they would train government agents. You're too stupid to be in the sky. <laughs> it's just like, you're saying she deserves it. It's going to meet her in the side of the road. No, I just, I, it's easy for me to say that because I'm watching it from a movie audience perspective. I guess if it was her, she's like, okay, we're, we are government agents. So I guess meeting in a secret location in the middle of nowhere is not bad. But still, they don't even seem to like or trust each other that much. Well, so. see, and you're right. And have it, and by that point, don't. Isn't there some seed of an idea running around that there could be a, a mole or there could be a... Yes, she has herself so convinced it's Ryan Reynolds She's because she's trying to cover her own ass because she doesn't want to believe it's anybody on her team because then it reflects poorly on her. Right. It's just like, this is also so political. Right, right. All right, was there anything else you want to say about Safe House? No, I don't think so. Okay. All I will say is that just stop punching people and just... Talk or talk. Okay, there's that that scene where uh, Denzel and Ryan Reynolds are running through the house, and there's those two guys chasing him. And Ryan Reynolds like throws something onto the floor to distract the guy. Yeah, I was sitting there and I was just thinking, okay, now shoot him in the head. And instead, he just smacks him. Yeah, and then they get into a fist fight. And I was like, 
Well, he was trying to take him alive to get information. I, I figured that out later, like, oh, he's trying to get information. But at the same time, it was just kind of like, why? On that note, I why? do want to go back just to that scene with Viewer from Miga when she gets shot in the middle of nowhere. I thought that that was, he shoots her point blank in the chest. Mm-hmm. And then he still feels the need to get out of the car. <laughs> and shoot her in the walk head. Around, shoot in the head like three times. It just makes no sense. And then later on, Denzel shoots a guy, yeah. a dead body, like three more times. It's just movie overkill. I understood why Denzel did it because he hated the guy for killing his his friend and right. his family. That made sense to me. It was coming from a place of, like, rage. This, where this guy, it was, just, it was just like a movie trope. It just was annoying. It took me out of the movie. What if she was wearing a bulletproof vest? Maybe, maybe Brendan Gleeson is, maybe his character, he's been to the movies too. He's seen situations where characters get shot and then somehow come back. Yeah, but she was wearing like that black, I just wouldn't, <laughs> you would have seen the bulletproof vest. It just made no sense. There's probably like blood, like, <laughs> shot her point blank from like two maybe, feet away. Maybe she was still kind of alive and he just wanted to put her out of a misery. Maybe it was a humanitarian. Kind of <laughs> it was a humanitarian gesture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just takes a shovel out of the back of his car. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that'll wrap it I up. I think that's enough. <laughs> that'll wrap it up for a discussion of Safe House, most ironic movie title. <laughs> yeah, ever. It wasn't very safe at all. Uh, be sure to tune in next week when we will be discussing This Means War. Frank, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about This Means War? Tom Hardy, Chris Pine, and Reese Witherspoon are in it. Tom Hardy and Chris Pine play uh, best friends who are also CIA agents. And, and they're trying to kill Reese Witherspoon? No, they fall in love with her. Oh. And so they both try and get her, and they both kind of try and sabotage each other using all the resources the CIA has at their disposal. Okay. So it's it's a little bit different than Safe House, a little bit more of a, a rom-com. Valentine's Day action romance. Yes. Comedy. Okay. Yes. Interesting bit of trivia, Andrew. At one point, the director, McGee, considered making two separate endings changing which guy she ended up, ended up with and releasing both of those endings into different theaters so that each audience had a different experience. That would have been the most original thing McGee's ever done. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> By far. <laughs> By far. All right. We'd love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at www.filmgeekradio.com. We also have a, a new survey on our website trying to get listener feedback, and we'd really appreciate it if you fill that out. It takes about 15 minutes, just a couple questions on which of our programs you listen to, uh, which ones you like, how you think we could improve them. It doesn't take a whole lot of time, and it, it would really help us out if, if you fill out one of those surveys. We're going to be mentioning it for the next couple months, so you might as well go ahead and do it. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes. If you do that, please uh, write us a review. We'd really appreciate it. You can also donate to the network on the website that helps us pay for hosting helps us pay for equipment and um it basically helps us stay in business so that means a lot to us as well frank where can people find you online that's a good question andrew uh you can find me on twitter at fj ready or you can find me on my blog quite frankly television.wordpress.com i'm andrew johnson you can find more of my writing at www.thecoolishoveffect.com and we also have a new blog addition to Film Geek Radio. We do. Look forward to Andrew's review of The Vow. Yes, I will be reviewing The Vow. And I just released uh, my list of the top 15 films of 2011. It's a little late, I know. But there I think, are 15 of them when they're traditionally just 10. Well, I, again, I'm, I'm cool like that. I'm unique. Yeah. And I think my list is a little bit different from most out there. So take a look at that. 
And uh, yeah, just check back the rep website and the blog regularly. Uh, we're going to do our best to keep that updated fairly. The reason it's different from most other top ten lists is because he includes films from 2010. That's why I need 15. <laughs> okay. It's not technically a list of the best of 2011. Look, there are other critics out there that have listed <laughs> some of these movies on their top 10 of the year because they received, because they got a wide release in 2011. But anyway, it's beside the point. If you I enjoy explain, bothering I, Andrew as much as I do, yes, feel free I, to comment I, on I, iTunes. I explain it all in the blog. Okay. I explain it all on the post. So just, so just go read the post. Anyways, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash writer Andrew. Follow me, send me a message, let me know you're a listener, and I'll be sure to follow you back. So He's going to live tweet the vow. Oh, I, I would never do that. I would never live tweet at the cinema. No, that'd be wrong. I would live tweet if it was on DVD. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Frank Craddy. And have fun this week getting high on cinema. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!